Our scripture today comes from the book of John, chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go now and leave your life of sin. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dale. Won't you please pray with me for a moment? Lord God, once again, we open our hearts and our minds to your word. We pray that it would speak a word that strengthens our hearts and enlivens our minds and quickens our spirits so we might go out and live as your people. In the name of our Savior, we pray and all God's people said, amen. So welcome back to our series on the life and teachings of Jesus. Right now we're looking at what Jesus had to say about love and marriage and romance and physical intimacy because Jesus had some important things to say about that and we're trying to understand what he said then and how it applies to our lives now. And as we started this uh, a couple of weeks ago, we pointed out that uh, Jesus lived in the first century, in first century Judaism, and at that time he taught and affirmed the normative understanding of uh, human sexuality that the Hebrews had in that time, and he affirmed their, their very high standard. In fact, he not only affirmed that standard, he seemed to raise it even higher by talking not only about physical, physical activity, but the attitude of the heart and the mind and how we treat one another and how we look at each other. And in Jesus' day, people understood that uh, physical intimacy was a special gift from God to be celebrated in the context of marriage. And uh, you were to be uh, celibate or to abstain from physical intimacy prior to marriage. And then once married, you were to stay exclusive with your spouse. And Jesus uh, affirmed that in his day as he taught. And in some ways, in the first century, that was a an easier standard to live by. The entire social structure of the Hebrew people was designed to keep uh, gender identities and relationships between men and women tightly controlled. And so in those days, if somebody violated the standard, which did occasionally happen, it was a serious scandal. It was a big deal. And in today's scripture, in John's gospel, we read about a time when Jesus encounters a woman who has violated the standard of that day, a woman who has been caught in the very act of adultery. And what we want to do this morning is we want to look at this story to to see how Jesus treated this woman and what important lessons we might 
glean from her story as we live out our stories today. And so John tells us that Jesus was teaching in the temple courts. This would have been about at the height of his popularity as a teacher, and it was common in the temple courts in, in the holy city of Jerusalem for rabbis and teachers to, to take time in the open courtyard to teach and gather people around who would listen to him. And people gathered to listen to Jesus. Many of them were trying to figure out who exactly Jesus was. Was he the Messiah, the promised one who would come and establish the kingdom of God and overthrow the Roman Empire and lead the nation of Israel into a, to a new reign of political and religious power in the region? Many wondered if that's who he was. But some had their doubts, particularly the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees of that day. They weren't so sure about Jesus They doubted that he was the Messiah in part because Jesus didn't endorse them as the religious authorities and because Jesus didn't fully denounce the Roman Empire, the the secular government that had had the, the Hebrew people under their control. And so as Jesus is teaching in the temple this day, the religious leaders bring to him a woman. They drag her into his presence and interrupt his teaching. And they 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 throw this woman down at Jesus' feet. And they explain to him that this woman has been caught in the the very act of adultery. She wasn't the subject of rumors. She had actually been caught in the very act. And they remind Jesus that in that day, the Mosaic law, the law of Moses, declared that a, a woman like this should be put to death, typically stoned to death. It's interesting, the Hebrew law also says that The man who commits adultery with the woman should be put to death, but the man isn't here. We don't know why. Perhaps he ran away. Perhaps he got away. Perhaps the religious leaders let him slip away. We don't know. But you can't help but wonder if the same sexual double standard that sometimes exists in our day existed back in that day as well. But regardless, the woman is there, and the religious leaders say she should be stoned to death. That's what the the law of Moses says. And and, uh, Stoning to death, also known as lapidation, by the way, is a, is a punishment that is still practiced in about 15 countries, even today. You might guess what some of those countries are. Iraq, Pakistan, Yemen, Somalia, Saudi Arabia, and, and others. Typically, stoning is uh, accomplished one of two ways. You can bury a person up to their waist, and then people throw rocks at them until, until they die. Or you bind them by their hands and their feet, and you set them on their knees, and they're surrounded by people who stone them. Either way, it's a, it's a brutal act of capital punishment. And the, the law of Moses, the religious law, prescribed that those who committed adultery be put to death in this way. And the religious leaders want to know what Jesus thinks. And so they say, what do you say, Jesus? And they're What they're doing here, and John points this out, they're trying to put Jesus in a no-win situation. Because, you see, uh, if Jesus says, we must affirm the law of Moses and carry out the death penalty as it prescribes, Jesus would have gotten in trouble with the Roman Empire. Because in that day, Rome did not permit the Jewish people to carry out death sentence. Execution could only be accomplished by the Roman government under the authority of the Roman governor, And uh, they would not authorize the death sentence for adultery. And so if Jesus had affirmed that and they had dragged this woman out to the city gates and stoned her to death, Jesus would have gotten in trouble for authorizing an unauthorized execution. 
At the same time, if Jesus said, well, that's what the law of Moses says, but we really shouldn't put people to death for, for such a thing. If Jesus said that, then the religious leaders would have a way of discrediting Jesus, declaring that he can't be the Messiah because he doesn't respect and uphold the Mosaic law. In fact, he's probably a puppet of Caesar and a sympathizer with the Roman Empire. And so this is a, a difficult challenge for Jesus. A lot is riding on his response. A lot of people are listening and trying to make up their minds about who he is And then we have this odd little detail in the story. Jesus, before he answers, kind of squats down and starts writing in the dirt. He takes a few moments. We don't know what he's writing or if he's writing anything. He may just be doodling. We don't know. But here's what I like to think maybe Jesus is doing here. I think maybe Jesus is just taking a moment before he answers to pause and to think, to choose his words carefully. Because Jesus understands that the goal here is not to vent frustration and escalate conflict. The goal is to think calmly and respond with emotional maturity and self-control. That's what I like to think Jesus is doing here. And he's modeling that for you and for me, isn't he? Well, whatever he's doing, he, he finally stands up and he gives his answer, and his answer is absolutely brilliant. It's an answer that many of us have heard before and many of us quote. Even if you're not familiar with the Bible, you're familiar with these words. Jesus says, yes, the law of Moses says we should stone or so. Let the one of you who is without sin cast the first stone. Brilliant answer. Here Jesus is affirming the standards of the Mosaic law, but he's changing the way we look at people who don't live up to the standard. He's changing the way we respond when people don't live up to the standard Jesus is inviting those religious leaders, so anxious to judge and condemn, he's inviting them to do a little self-examination. And uh, apparently, they did that because they began walking away. You know, there's a powerful lesson to be learned here. We're probably aware of what it is. It's fairly obvious, and we've heard it before and learned it on many occasions, but it never hurts to be reminded, amen? The point is that the sins of other people become for you and for me an opportunity for us to reflect on our own lives and how well we're living up to our own standards. See, the truth of the matter is the Bible tells us we're all sinners. We might sin in different ways, but we're all sinners, and we must be careful not to condemn people who sin differently than we do because we're all in need of God's grace and mercy And we're called to offer that grace and mercy to others because we've received it ourselves. Now, that's not to say that people shouldn't be held accountable for their behaviors. And it's not to say we shouldn't speak out against injustice or or we should tolerate bad behavior. But how we respond, our word choice and our tone of voice, how we respond says a lot about how we understand our own human condition. You know, I tell you, I find in my own life, do you find this true? I find in my own life that when I get all cranked up and I, I assume the worst about somebody and I kind of treat them harshly out of my own frustration, I almost always end up regretting that. I, I find that if I would just take a moment and pause and ask a few clarifying questions and approach a difficult situation with a little bit of humility and curiosity and grace, I find that the experience almost always turns out better. And I bet the same is true with you. So let me ask you this morning, 
What rocks are you carrying around with you today? Who do you hate and why? Where in your life are you maybe extending harsh judgment toward others rather than patience and grace? Again, I'm not saying we should be doormats and let people walk all over us. And again, I'm not saying we shouldn't speak out and respond in a, when, when bad things happen and people do bad things. But the question is this, are we responding with the same spirit that Jesus demonstrates? Are we showing the world that we follow the one who says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone? Accountability, yes, but hatefulness, no. You know, I thought about that on Friday when our 45th president was being sworn in. And I thought about this whole political season that we have been through and all of the hateful, hurtful things said by both sides and all sides of this whole issue of what it means to be a a leader and direction of our nation. And so often I find that people justify their own harsh and ugly comments on the basis that someone else has made harsh and ugly comments about them or their group. It's like if somebody says something harsh and ugly, then that means we can take off the gloves and just be harsh and ugly right back. And I don't know that that's the way of Jesus to you. I sometimes wonder, when I consider the power of words and the power of tone of voice and the attitude, I sometimes wonder if maybe there's a better way than the way we've been doing it. Because my heart is heavy when I see the way our country's behaving. Things that get put on Twitter and Facebook. And and not just by the new president. We can all probably agree he said some things that are not very appropriate. But but then the way people respond. And you know, sometimes when I respond in a harsh way, I think I'm, I'm demonstrating righteous indignation. But then when I look back, a lot of times I realize, no, I'm, I'm expressing unrighteous snarkiness. And I don't always know where the line is, but here's what I do know. I think our nation and our lives would be better if we would drop the rocks, examine our own hearts, and look for a better way. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. But you know, the story isn't over yet because Jesus has more to say Not to the religious leaders who've walked away, but now to this woman who is there with him. Jesus is left standing with this woman. And uh, he asks her a question. He He says, is there no one left to condemn you? And she says, no one, sir. I like to think that she's not even looking at Jesus. She's just looking down. And then I just imagine Jesus reaching down to her and lifting up her face so he can make eye contact. And then Jesus says this, he says, Neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. Now Jesus is not saying to the woman, hey, you dodged a bullet this time, don't mess up again or you're really going to get it. That's not what he's saying. Jesus is saying, I'm offering you grace and mercy and forgiveness which allows you now to begin to walk into a new kind of life. Jesus is not asking this woman to be absolutely perfect from here on. He's inviting her to begin walking towards and living towards a new and better standard for her life. Jesus offers her grace. But at the same time, he challenges her 
to make changes. And I think it's important for us to remember that because sometimes we focus so much on the mercy and grace and forgiveness of Jesus that we forget He also calls us to live by the highest of standards. I I can remember one time when I was uh, teaching a a Sunday school class in in another church. It was a young adult class. and Well, I was a young adult myself, so that tells you how long ago it was. But uh, we were having this class session on on sexuality and what Jesus taught and what the Bible teaches. And there was one young woman in the class. She was in her early to mid-20s. And I'll never forget what she said. And she, she was growing frustrated with the conversation. And she just spoke up. She said, said, I have a hard time believing that Jesus cares who I sleep with. Frankly, I'd like to think he has more important things to be worried about. And you know, on one hand, I can kind of understand her point. When you consider all of the brokenness and pain and ugliness in our world, you know, Jesus has a lot to be concerned with. But at the same time, friends, if we understand how our choices not only reflect our character but affect our character, if we understand that our sexual lives reflect the rest of our lives and impact those lives, if we understand that physical intimacy at its deepest level is a spiritual, not just a physical thing, And if we recognize that Jesus cares about every aspect of our lives, we'd have to say he cares about this as well. See, Jesus did not say to the woman, I do not condemn you because I don't care who you sleep with. He didn't say that. He said, I do not condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. I'm inviting you to walk toward a new life, not return to the old life. See, forgiveness is not just a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's an invitation to a new life. We are all sinners. But the fact that we're all sinners does not excuse ignoring standards or not trying to overcome sin with the power and the goodness that God is offering us. See, God isn't asking for instant perfection, but He is expecting measurable progress over reasonable amounts of time. Now, we don't know what happened to this woman in the story. The Bible doesn't say. But if she understood the depths of God's love for her, if she understood the incredible gift of grace and forgiveness that Jesus was giving her on that day, my guess is she walked away and began making some positive changes in her life. What I doubt is that she walked away saying, man, that was a close call. I am so glad Jesus doesn't care who I sleep with. Jesus speaks to you and to me from the pages of Scripture and from the story today. And he says, look, I don't condemn you. I love you. But he also says, start a new life. The purpose of my grace is not just to ease a guilty conscience. The purpose of my grace is to heal a broken heart and empower and transform a broken life. See, Jesus raises standards. He never lowers them, but He gives us the grace that when we stumble, when we fall, we have the power and wisdom to get up and keep going. Perhaps the most challenging area of sin in your life these days isn't sexual in nature. That might have been the issue for this woman, but may not be the issue for you. Maybe your issue is that when you get angry, you get abusive. Or maybe your issue is that you're, you're focused way too much on materialism and you've got a greedy streak in you that causes you to be selfish. Maybe 
your big challenge is that you're full of resentment and bitterness over something that someone said or done to you, and you've not let that go, and you're, you're allowing hatred to become a cancer in your heart and soul. Maybe you're jealous. Maybe you complain too much and give thanks too little. I don't know what it could be for you, but I bet you do. Because I know what it is for me. And here's the good news. We don't throw stones around here. Because we're all sinners. We might sin in different ways. But, but we don't take the grace and mercy of God lightly. We don't take it casually. Jesus paid too high a price. So we don't make excuses. We just make progress with the power of the Holy Spirit. Confident in the deep love of God and the forgiveness that He offers, we seek to live a life that honors Him. You know, there's an old bumper sticker. You've probably seen it. It's very famous. It says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven, right? You see that? A lot of truth to that. Christians aren't perfect. Can we all affirm that? And we are forgiven. Can we affirm that? But we're not just forgiven. We're also called by the virtue of the grace and mercy of God. Called to walk away from an old life into a new life. So let's pursue that life. And let's pursue it together. Let's drop the rocks and embrace one another with grace and mercy, but also encourage one another. And let's watch what happens when we take the words of Jesus very seriously.